scripture memory verse tonight, Ephesians 6.10, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10. Anybody else? Ephesians 6.10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10. He followed me. Good job, Michael. It's finally my brother. I left out my. I was wondering. She <laughs> <laughs> paused, didn't you? Yeah. Don't say my. Okay. <laughs> That's the one word I was stumbling. I've known it for for years and left out my. I go, hey, wait a minute. I left out my. I look right down at this. Anybody else? Ephesians six ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Ephesians six ten. Good job. Anybody else? Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10. Good job. Good job. You know, it's interesting, and just, just quickly before I take off on what I want to talk about, is that it finally does not mean like, ah, oh, I got one more last stain. It's really henceforth. It means from now on. Uh, because he's given us a lot of things. That, I mean, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. It's modern-day Turkey. It's about 99% Muslim. And he gives us everything all the way through our position, that we're seated in heavenly places, all the way through the instruction of everything about being saved by grace in chapter 2. And he's given us all of these things. And he's even given us how we should live. And then you think, oh, how can we do this? And he comes to the finally, henceforth, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because we don't want to do it according to our might. We don't want to do it. You know, Zechariah, uh, um, Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, Zechariah 4, 6. And really, not by might is not my resources, not my strength. Not my wealth, not what I know to turn to, but or nor by power, my strength, my force, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. These are the things that we want to learn, that once you learn spiritual truth and you come to Jesus, we have to stop trying to do it according to how we know to do it in the flesh. Remember, we can't do it according to the way we, in our strength, or our ability, or in the resources that we have, or if you remember that, that Romans 8, 13 and 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, mortify, the, to put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And again, we have the same concept here, given much instruction, given much doctrine, told how to deal with, I mean, think about it, how to husbands love your wives was, was really the last text before you move into six, uh, chapter 6. And then he talks about uh, children and family and parenting. And then he comes here and he tells us how to do this. It has to be done in the power of God according to his spirit. And so we need to see this. It's, it's not by uh, power or might, but according to my spirit, saith the Lord. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I want to talk about, I'm going to do this probably for about the next six or seven weeks. We're going to go through the entire spiritual warfare context here. Now listen, I want you to understand that, I, I mean, myself, I get up every morning and I sit before the Lord and I talk with him and I put on the full armor of God. Um, I talk to him and I put it on. It's an attitude. It's a discipline. It's reminding myself that I'm putting on Christ. And I have to be of the same mind of Christ in order to agree with him. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together unless they agreed, unless they're in agreement? We have to be the same mind first. I have to first understand that he's God and I'm not, that he is truth. And I've been trained by my three enemies, the world, my flesh, and Satan. Those are the three enemies, and our flesh is the worst one because the flesh wants to continue to follow the world. The flesh wants to continue to listen to the devil, and the flesh wants to continue to give in to temptation, and it's a choice that I have to make to learn truth, to put on truth. As we go through this, when we get down into the, the, the armor, you'll find out that every single piece of armor is actually Christ. So you're, you're not just having an attitude, you're not just, you're, you're not just having a, 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 a dis discipline, but you're being discipled and you're learning truth so that you can extinguish the lies of the devil because he lies to us and, he'll, and your flesh will lie to you and it'll seem good for a moment, but you want to hear truth. You want to walk in the truth and be led by the Spirit of God. We don't want to live in a way where we continue to follow lies. And that's the way the devil does it. He lies to you. You believe his lie by choice once you know the truth and you say it'll be okay. It'll be fine. And you continue to do that. But our enemy is the, the world which lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. So it's the world systems, everything that's going on. It's, it's, it is the devil. He is the one that started it all. And then he trained even our flesh. Because of Adam and Eve, we inherited our flesh that is dead. It's, it's, been, it's been given a sentence of death. And now we come to Christ. And if we try to walk this out according to the systems of the world or according to our flesh, uh, we're going to die because the enemy will win if we try to live a Christian life according to our own strength or our own power or our own might. So we want to be strong in the Lord. Now listen, I don't I don't think that there's anything inherently um, actual in putting on the armor. It's putting on Christ. But each piece and each thing that he's talking about, see Paul's on Paul's on house arrest in Rome when he writes this letter. And he's, he's pretty much chained to a Roman soldier that's watching him. And so he's looking right at all the armament that's on this guy. And he notices that when this guy takes a nap, he lays down his sword. He takes off his helmet. He puts his shields over here. But he puts on these other pieces of armor, and he leaves them on. He never takes them off. He's always ready for battle. And the other stuff, the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation, those things are right there to grab a hold of and to be up and going and running this race, fighting this battle. But the battle really is the Lord's. And, and really, the battle is over with because he has defeated the works of the devil. He has destroyed the enemy. And when we understand that truth, it actually destroys our flesh. 
It completely, it completely kills it, and it becomes crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Well, how do I do that by faith? I believe truth. By faith, I believe truth, and I mortify the deeds of the flesh by the power of the Spirit who is leading me into all truth. This is how we put on the armor of God, but each piece does something different, we will see. But right now, we're really trying to look at just this finally. Because if you had all this instruction, and then you just took off, you would try to do it yourself. You would try to do it your own way. It's the same thing we're learning on Sunday. If we just had the Gospels and so much instruction, and then we didn't have the book of Acts. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. So now it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through you and I. We're going to be uh, 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 strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And guess what? He's almighty. Satan is mighty, but he's almighty. You, sometimes your flesh or the world might look mighty, but God is almighty. He's defeated everything. It's already all been defeated at the cross it's, it's all been dead, but we have to believe that truth. So we have to put on the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, uh, uh, Paul tells us in another letter. So again, listen to me again. Um, Amos 3.3 3 says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Do you agree that God has come and saved us? Do you agree that this is all truth? Listen, most Christians, you talk to them about reading their Bible, they don't read their Bible. They don't read their Bible. Listen, that means they do not agree about the Word of God, that this is what God uses to sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water through the Word. He just talked about this in the previous chapter, in chapter 5. Sanctify and cleanse us through the washing of the water and the word. And so when Christians are not concerned about being sanctified, then they're not concerned about the henceforth, how we should go and live. We should be mortifying the deeds of the flesh. That should be a life that we're living now, concerned with the flesh, that if we live according to the flesh, you will die. It will kill you. It will eventually kill you. Now, of course, we've been talking about this a lot, in our studies, and I want to bring it out completely. Again, three enemies, the, the, the world, the systems, and or systems that are diametrically opposed to God, the flesh, which has been trained by those systems that have underneath the sway of who? The wicked one. 1 John 5, 19. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness. Wicked, the wicked one. And so we have to make up our mind who we are going to listen to. The voice of truth and put on the armor of God. Or we're going to continue to be deceived with the lies of the world. Listen, I mean, really, and we were me and Michael was talking about, I've talked about with some other people. When you really look at what's going on in America, everything is being geared by artificial intelligence. And we say, oh, yeah, the, the phones and the computers. No, no, no. No, we are being fed, spoon-fed artificial intelligence. 
We're not supposed to think for ourselves. We're not supposed to deduce or use inductive reasoning. We're not supposed to have any type of reasoning ability. We're told it's true or it's taken down. Okay? I ordered a pair of tennis shoes. It's just a simple little thing. I ordered a pair of tennis shoes. I've seen an ad for them. And I go, oh, wow. Those are for all the people with bad feet that, that, that they can walk on them. They look great in the picture. They look like, oh, man, them things look like they're air puppies that you can walk on. Maybe they'll be good. I'll order them. Not only did it take them three weeks to get here because they came from China, but when you get them, then I put them on, and they're the same thing you buy off a Walmart shelf. You know, they're just a hard piece of plastic. And then, I, so I go, I'm going to comment on this. I don't have to comment on much stuff, but I'm going to go comment. And it said right there, uh, uh, no longer allowed to comment on this. It wouldn't let nobody, because everybody's buying them. They say, buy them real quick. Everybody buys them. And then all of a sudden they say, you can't even comment. So you're not allowed to share it to anybody else that this is a terrible pair of shoes. Do not fall for this ad. And it's all just, it's fed, spoon fed. Buy now, it's on sale real fast. Go, get it. And then you do it and everybody gets it. They sell thousands or millions of them and nobody's allowed to do anything about it. Now, I, you know, you can send them back, I, obviously, but they, they literally, if you watch the tracking, they came clear across seas. They came to port, domestic port, all of these things. And, and, and so we think we're ordering from in-country and things are coming from everywhere else and they're not coming from us. But listen, we cannot... Uh, think for ourselves. We cannot make decisions. They're taking it down off the internet. You can't argue with quotes. You can't say anything that makes sense. You have to be spoon-fed and say, yep, I will repeat what you said and be indoctrinated with what they said. Even though we know math and, and we know that biology and we know that these science, that true science is real science that can be repeated but they're telling us things that can't be repeated. They're telling us stuff that's not true math. It's not true biology. And they say, if you don't say it, you're going to flunk. Think about it. They do that in school. You have to say what's in the textbook. And they write the textbooks. They spoon feed it into the textbook. And they tell their truth into the textbook, which is a lie. And they say, what happened in history and what somebody did in history. And then everybody buys that artificial intelligence and they think they're smart now because they're sipping on their latte and they think I can talk about world history now because I read a book when it's all lies. It's not even true. And you can't prove it to me. But this Bible is true. This Bible is true. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is something that's a solid rock. It's not shifting Next week, it's not going to become something else. It's not moving at all, no matter what you do. But all of this AI, all of this artificial intelligence, all of this, let's train them to work nine to five in factories. Let's train them that all they think about is working and getting a paycheck and being in bondage. They don't even know it. And we got them all tricked, the Pied Piper rats, and they're running through this stuff. And they just keep going. See, the only thing that sets you free from that rat race is Jesus. From that bondage is Jesus. But it's truth. Jesus is truth. And so we want to understand this. And well, how do we how do we deal with this? Again, finally means henceforth. Henceforth. Um, 
hereafter, for the future, henceforth, put on truth. Be strong in the Lord. Well, how can I be strong in the Lord? I am strong in the Lord. I know the Lord. I believe the Lord. And, oh, I feel good about it. I believe the Lord. I'm going to go out and do everything I want to do. Because his word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I can do anything. I think I can fly. No, this is a misunderstanding of scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or gives me strength to do what he's called me to do. It does not qualify me to be able to do everything, only what he's called me to do. And so I need to find out what my identity is. Find out what you've called me to do. Find out what my inheritance is. Find out what my lane is and learn to run in it. Listen, this is the problem is that we misunderstand and we take scripture and turn it into a genie. So we want to understand how do I be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And it is my brethren. Henceforth, my brethren. It means somebody born of the same womb. Listen, we're born of the same spirit. If we have the spirit of God, then we belong to God. And we've all been born of the spirit. Then we're brethren. We're brethren. So I love the fact that Paul doesn't say, listen up, kids. Listen up, youngsters. Listen up. You know, he doesn't say, listen up, family members, listen up, slaves, listen up, students. But he's calling us brethren because we're all in this together. We're all the body of Christ. We're all called to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Well, how do you do this? How do you be strong in the Lord and not be found trying to finish in the flesh what was started in the spirit? We have to surrender. We have to begin by prayer. Sit down and be still and wait upon the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Hardest thing in the world to do. Toaster, is that burning? My coffee's, I spilled my coffee. Oh my God, where's my phone? I mean, just think about sitting down for prayer. When you sit down for prayer, all the things that hinder you of the flesh, and you have to beat that flesh into subjection. It's the same thing with reading the Word of God. People carry Bible, people believe the Bible, but they don't read the Bible. They don't read the Bible. I mean, you can say all day long, I love God, and, and, and I'm a Christian because I said a prayer. And then you disagree with His Word. Or you don't read His Word. And so you're living in a way that's not even lined up with His Word. So we have to understand that two cannot walk together unless they are agreed. They just can't. You can't walk together. You can't be one. You can't be in union. You can't be walking unless you agree that he is truth. We're not. We need to come to him and be strong in his power and his might. Or it's going to end bad for us. It's going to end bad. Now, I'm not saying we lose our salvation because I believe we're saved by grace. But we're going to have a difficult life. And we're, sanctification and discipleship are part of being a believer in Christ. They go hand in hand. They're all together. Why would he tell us to go make disciples unless we were a disciple? You cannot plant seed of what you're not. You cannot grow fruit of what you're not. You have to begin to become a disciple with him in order to go out and help others become disciples. And that's to tell them to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. And so what I do every morning, I, I literally uh, um, you know, I go before him. I talk to him about sin. You know, there's there's a there's a what's called the axe method. You guys ever heard of the axe method? 
adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication is the acts method. You, 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 you begin prayer with adoring him and you giving him adoration and praise for who he is. He's God. And then there's a confession. If there's something on your heart, he begins to put something on your heart. Because when you come before a holy God and you begin to adore him, then if there's anything in your life that needs to be dealt with, now you're going to begin to see it. The light will shine on it. And you can confess it. And then you can thank him for even showing it to you. Or you can thank him for other things. Thank him that you have a job. Thank him that you're awake. Thank him that you're breathing. You can thank him for all of those things. And then uh, supplication where you begin to pray for grandma and the people that aren't saved and the people that are sick and you begin to pray. So it's just the acts method of praying um, that can be used if you need like that little method to help you with praying. It just enters, it helps you enter into the throne room and come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. So I usually do that. I usually... Um, Put on the armor of God, word for word, of what it says here in the Bible. I quote it, and I remember, though, that it's an attitude. I remember, though, that I'm wanting to live in truth and walk in truth and be fully armored up to go out and be somebody who's in battle, a soldier in the army of the living God. And then I ask the Holy Spirit to baptize me afresh and anew for the work of the ministry today. Just today. Just what's going on today. Because the Holy Spirit is the power. The Holy Spirit is the one leading you. And He's going to prepare you. And if you're trusting Him, then He's going to open your mouth to speak to other people. And He's going to give you the unction. He's going to give you the wisdom to talk to them. Because you're saying, I'm going to be led by you. Baptize me afresh and new. Come up on me. And we're going to talk about this Sunday. That's going to be the, uh, our Sunday service is about the baptism or the feeling or the upon experience of the Holy Spirit with power to do the work of the ministry, to go out and love others by telling them the truth. So I do that every morning. I've been doing that every morning since I've been born again. Uh, and, and the other thing that I, that, I, that I have as a part of my discipline is I speak in tongues every morning. And, and when you, you get stale in your prayer life, I got real still in my prayer life. I was like, man, I don't even feel like praying. This is crazy. I feel like I'm just repeating it. It's hitting the ceiling. And my pastor told me, well, ask God. Maybe God wants to give you the gift of tongues where you can speak in another language and insult your own intelligence. And see, the thing that we're going to see here in a minute, and we're going to go into it, in order to be strong in the Lord, we have to be weak in the flesh. And we have to recognize our weaknesses and that there's nothing we can do at all to, to be saved, to sanctify, to walk this race, it all has to be done on relying upon the resources that God has given us, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the truth of God, and, and, and following His plan of salvation. And when we're weak, He is strong. And we're going to see this, and we're going to go to a couple places. Let's just do that right now. He says here, be strong in the Lord. Now, it means to increase in the strength of the Lord. So now I have to learn my identity. I have to begin to listen and learn to follow the Holy Spirit. So he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me, right? Well, where is he right now? He's back here in the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. 
2 Corinthians 3.17. So he sat down in heaven, and then he said to the Father, let's send him the Holy Spirit, and, and then the Spirit comes and lives in every person who believes. And so he says to increase in strength, and it means to make strong in strength. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 12. Uh, my brain had to stop because there's so much we could have looked at in this. Because uh, Paul is giving him in, in, in 11, he's given them his, it's, we're going to start in 12.7. He actually gives them, he says, I, I, I don't want to boast in the flesh. And he gives them his testimony, you know, up in uh, uh, 11.22 through uh, uh, all the way through 33. What, he, what was went on in his life, what he's been through, and, and the, the pain, the suffering, the heartache, the shipwreck, the beatings. These are the things that teach us not to trust in the flesh. You have to go through the fire in order to be prepared for this, to, to be strong in the Lord and learn to trust in Him. If you never go through anything, He never brings you out of the valley of the shadow of death. If you never have any pain, He never brings you to the other side of pain. If you never do anything, so I, He gave me one proverb when I was in prison still. Wasn't even serving him, but, but he gave it to me one day, and I wrote it down. I was meditating and praying, and uh, it's uh, your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow. And that's what he does. He puts you through the fire today, and it makes you stronger tomorrow. We were talking about tinsel strength yesterday, and the 23-year-old that wasn't born in the 1900s, he's like, what's tinsel strength? Because I changed springs in a machine, and I said, they should have never built this machine with that spring. I'm putting a bigger spring in it. It's got more tensile strength. And so I put a bigger spring in it and the machine works better. So anyway, it's it, it just a simple little thing. It wasn't something that would malfunction the machine. It just makes the lever tighter and it works much better. Or here's the other one. I was talking with Joe and Kim the other day. And um, it's, it's, it's building a sword, making a sword. When you're beating that piece of metal and, and, and you put it in the fire, in the crucible or whatever they put it in, and they put it in fire and they get it red hot. But then what do they do? They instantly cool it off and it makes the tinsel strength of that metal so much stronger because it's already been in the heat. When the heat comes, it doesn't hurt it. When the other pressure comes, it doesn't bother because it's so strong, the best swords go through heat. But what do they put them in? They put them in oil, which is the Holy Spirit. And so when we go through pain, when we're going through fire, we want to turn to God's power to deal with it, to God's wisdom, to God's truth. And the Holy Spirit is the oil that cools it all. It relieves the pain. We know we're going to get to the other side. But what it's doing is it's strengthening character. It's teaching its perseverance. And when we get to the bigger problem, we can go, just calm down. Let's pray here. Let's see what God wants to do. While other people are going, ah! freaking out we've already been through some things and that's why we're supposed to learn from older saints and be taught the young the younger saints and disciple them you know discipleship is is is, is so practical in the bible they they, they would uh, and jesus says take my yoke they would take an old ox and yoke it with a young ox right but they put all the tightness all the pressure on the old ox and the young ox has just barely got the straps on him. But he's walking the exact same place and doing everything that the older ox is doing. 
But Jesus is pulling the weight. The Spirit of God is doing the work. Truth is already there if we will listen to it and hear the voice of truth. Everything's already defeated. The flesh is defeated. The world is freely. Jesus overcome the world. The devil, he defeated the works of the devil. The flesh, everything has been defeated on the cross in his walk when he did this. I think that's why he's got bronze shoes on or like bronze shoes in Revelation is because he's already did it. He walked it out there they're shining because he took judgment for us. And he did it all perfectly. And he defeated the works of the flesh and the works of darkness. It's all done. But we keep listening to lies. It's not finished. I've been in a battle. Ah, it's going crazy. No, be calm. Wait on the Lord. Be still. He's doing this. He's allowing it. He's sovereign. And when the enemy rears his ugly head, what does the word say about it? And if you don't know what the word says about it, just cry out to Jesus and be strong in the Lord and the power of his might because he's already defeated it and he allowed it to come and he had actually prepared you to deal with it. He doesn't bring anything to you that he already hasn't already put you through the fire to be ready for, but if your mind isn't ready, you don't have that helmet on so you can begin to think salvatory. So what's salvation? What's this about salvation? How does this increase my race? And, and, and you, you have to begin to bring it back to the spiritual Instead of getting mad and kicking the tires and saying this is physical, yes, but he uses that fire. So I've got you guys here at 12-7, right? So here's Paul with everything that's going on in his life. In fact, he actually just talks about going to the third heaven. One through six, he's talking about going to the third heaven. I know a man. He doesn't say it's him. He doesn't want to boast. Right? He's being real humble about this. When they stoned him outside Thessalonica. And he got back up and went back into the city and said, hey. And they're like, oh, he was left for dead. Anyway, so in 7, he says this, though. He says this. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. Listen, he was given so many revelations, so much truth, that God was teaching him so much. Christ was. I mean, he hung out with him for three years uh, uh, in Arabia, and he taught him literally. And he's got all these revelations of truth, and he's telling others. He's planting churches. All of this stuff is going on. He's being rescued from shipwreck three times and, and beaten. And then, and then he was left for dead and went to the third heaven. And notice, I mean, if you read this yourself, I'm, not, I'm just paraphrasing it real quick. He was, he was shown things in heaven that, that he was told not to utter. Paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. So every one of those books that man is uttering about, it's not lawful for them to write those books. If they've seen something literally in heaven, I'm not denying their experience when somebody lied to them or a demon deceived them. But if they were in heaven, it's not lawful to utter what they sing. So they're not giving us more information about heaven. They're giving us information from familiar spirits while they were out in a coma and they're trying, it's trying to be deceived. God already gave us everything we need to know about heaven. Now, let me get back to my point because I apologize for trying to go somewhere else. Seven again. Because of all of this abundance, because of everything that God was using him for, he was given a thorn in the flesh as a messenger from Satan to buffet him. Or is that buffet? Maybe he was eating a lot. I used to use that all the time. The Bible says buffet, buffet the body. 
So it was to buffet him, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, we don't know what it was. We don't know. I, 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 would, I would say it was not sin. I would say it was some type of a malady. I think it was his eyes personally, that, that his eyes he couldn't see. He, he talks a lot of times about, see what large letters I write, and he had somebody write the letters for him because he couldn't see good. Just my opinion. And then, new beginning, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Heal me, Lord. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Listen, you want the strength of the Lord. You want to be strong in the Lord. Understand that his grace is sufficient in all things and that it is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in your life when you admit you are weak. I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this, Lord. There's no way that I can do this in the flesh. It has to be according to your spirit. Unless you show up, I can't do it. Unless you go with us, Lord, we can't go. You just read it in Exodus. Unless you go, Lord, we can't go. Unless you go with us. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Notice it's upon. The spirit upon him. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen to me. This is where we get the strength of the Lord. Confessing our sin. Confessing our weaknesses. Going, Lord, you've called me to do this, but unless you go with me, I can't do it. I, I, when you can rush out and fix it and do it yourself, be careful with that. Because then you become prideful in what you're doing. And that's the very reason that God gave him this thorn in the flesh was to buffet him so that he would remain humble. He would remember and cry out to God and he'd be praying to God and he would be asking God for his strength. Let's go over to, um, I'd love to stay longer, but to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith, the hall of faith chapter. Uh, 1130, we're not going to begin and do the whole chapter. I won't be able to. Um, but so much goes on when you study the Hall of Faith chapter because a life with God is all about faith. Trusting in His strength by faith. Trusting in, and you're going to see when we get to the armor, it says, above all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So it's above everything. You have to first have faith that even the truth is the truth. Or you can't put on the belt of truth. You can't put on the breastplate of righteousness and believe that I'm righteous because of what Christ did unless I believe it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, you know, we see in 11.1, 1, and what does it tell us? That for by it, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony by faith. And then he goes on uh, we understand that the worlds were framed. 1130. We're going to be all the way past all that there. And I want you to look at 1130. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. What happened there with that faith? They obeyed. Listen, there was given instruction to march around the city one time for six days. And on the seventh day, to march around seven times and then to shout. 
What if they wouldn't have done that? If there would have been no trusting God, no faith, the walls would not have come down. It's the same thing in our life. Without obedience in the power of the Lord and, 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 and His might, without obeying God and putting on truth, without looking to be sanctified and cleansed, without doing those things in obedience and looking to obey, faith is not going to be enacted because if you're not following it, you're being faithless. If you're not listening, you're literally being faithless to God because you, you have to be of the same mind. How can two walk together unless we are agreed? And if we are agreed, then I know that by me putting on truth, I'm going to automatically obey it and then it's going to sanctify and cleanse me. He's going to use me as a vessel of honor. And then he'll probably allow weaknesses so that I'll cry out to him for strength to keep doing it. Just like with Paul. It's, it's what he does. And then he gets the glory and he uses the weak things. But let's keep going. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. Notice that. Who, who died? The unbelieving died. Not the believers, the unbelieving. When she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? Just keep an eye on this. For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. What about them? Who through faith, how come? Faith subdued kingdoms. Work righteousness, obtain promises, stop the mouth of lions, Daniel, quench the violence of fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus was right there with them. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. There's our word again. Out of weakness, I didn't tell you what it meant earlier. Let me tell you what it means. It means want of strength. Listen, it means want of strength. Lord, I can't do anything in the flesh. I'm going to die if I live according to the flesh. I want your strength in my life. I want to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I cannot live a spiritual life in my strength. It must. I must want. I want to come to you in weakness. And I want your strength in my life. I want you to live my life through me. And be my strength. Be the strength of my life. We used to sing that song too. So they all did this. Out of weakness they were made strong. Because they went to the fire. And it strengthened their tensile strength. It made them stronger. Every time they went through the fire in their weakness. Every time God gave them more than they thought they could handle. It made them stronger because he brought it through. And they became strong in the Lord and the power of his might. They became valiant in battle. Soldiers in the army of the living God. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Think about it. How could you go through torture? I think, I think the crazy stuff is going to come upon us if we don't go home to be with the Lord. How are, We're being prepared today for the things that are going to happen tomorrow. Your struggles today will be your strengths for tomorrow. What's going on now is tempering you. It's strengthening you. Oh, I left out that part. Even uh, Kim said she started baking cakes and selling them. And she said that you even do that with chocolate. You temper it. You boil it, you get it hot, you get it as hot as it can on the stove, and then you hurry up and cool it off real quick. And then you make your little molds, your, your different things, 
because then when they're sitting in a room and it's hot, they've already been through the heat, they won't melt on the cake. They stay solid. You temper them. And she was actually reading with us in Exodus. No, it's Leviticus. Maybe it was Leviticus. And it was talking about the tempered uh, uh, mortar in the bricks. Maybe it was maybe it was in uh, uh, Exodus. I don't remember. But she's seen that. And she goes, that's what we do to the chocolate. We temper it. And you put it under extreme heat, cool it off real fast, Holy Spirit, and then you bring it back, and it's able to endure more. And you can run with endurance. You get more and more and more. What do, what do sports stars do? These people playing football, they jump in a, they're out there in the heat and, and straining their muscles and then they jump into a tub of ice. And it makes their, it, it helps them temper and strengthen faster. I guess that's what it does. I ain't jumping in no ice. I can't even stand ice. I don't even like people who like people who know people who jump in a tub of ice. Crazy or something? I ain't doing that. Sorry, where are we at? Um, Look, it's, it's 35B. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. The rewards of what we go through when we allow God to temper us and strengthen us and give us endurance and we step out according to His Spirit, not just making up our own plans. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. We're not supposed to make up our own kingdoms. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Verse 40, number of judgment. Look at this. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We're all going to meet there together. We're all going to see the finality of it together. The resurrection of life together. The wedding supper of the Lamb together. All those who have looked forward by faith, and now we look backward by faith. But what did they do? They, they considered their weakness and allowed God to make them stronger. They stopped trying to do it in their own strength, and they obeyed by faith, by trusting God. And that's what we're looking at here. Finally, my brethren, those born of the Spirit, same womb, be strong. Being one of God's strength, being one of God's power, one of strength. We want God to do it. Not that we are capable with our businesses, our budgets, and our buildings. Not that we're capable with our bank accounts. Not that we're capable because we're strong in our physical strength. But we want to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And in the Lord means denoting a fixed position. Uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power, the kratos, the vigor, the dominion, the might, the strength. And his might is really his ability. It's, it's what it means. The might means ability. It's from the word echo. Remember the word echo? Possession. Ability. We possess the ability because we're children of God. If we'll listen to the truth of God to go out and do everything that he's called us to do. 
my God will provide for all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But that's because he, he, he possesses me. He bought me with his blood. And now I'm listening to his plan. And I want to become weak in the things that I think I'm strong in. And become strong in the strength of the Lord. And ask him for the power and might to do it. Not to go, oh, I went to school. I went to seminary. I did these things. I'm not making those things bad, but if you're not careful, they get in the way of the power of God. They get in the way of the Spirit of God. When you can do something in the physical, you won't be looking for the spiritual power to handle it and to do it and to get it across properly. You'll begin to try to fulfill in the flesh what was started in the Spirit. Three enemies. The world, your flesh, and Satan. And really, the father of all lies is the one who created it all. He's the father of lies, right? So he takes the whole world systems and he places lies in them. And he takes God out of everything. And then in the garden, he got Eve to listen to a lie. So now our flesh receives the sentence of death. And our flesh, flesh is geared by lies until we put on the armor of God. We put on truth and we begin to listen to Christ. And be strong. Come to him in weakness. Come to him confessing. Because listen guys, we can't do anything in the spiritual realm. We can't even see the spiritual realm. We can see the ramifications of it. You go look at the worst neighborhoods and you see where sin is running rampant. You can see where things are going like that. You can look at the fruit of a person's life and go, something's going on there. Either God is buffeting them. You got to be careful. You can't blame everything on sin. Because we have the story of Job, the testimony of Job. That he was doing everything right. And it was just that evil day. We got that. We got that in Ephesians 6 13. The evil day. To be ready for that evil day. When God allows. Have you considered my servant Greg? Have you considered my servant Job? And Job, what does he do? He sits down and he's trying to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He sits down and he knows who he's been serving. He has a relationship. Job was the guy that was up making sacrifices for his children in case they have sinned. He would go make sacrifices for them to get God to forgive them. That's pretty awesome. I mean, same thing that we would do, praying for our family. Just, just bring in the petitions. So let's look at this in real life. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Let's look at this in real life. Real time, we got any time left. Real time, Second Chronicles chapter 20. Uh, Jehoshaphat is on the throne of Judah. Right? Ahab is still on the throne of the northern kingdoms. And really when you get to chapter 20, Ahab just died. Because Jehoshaphat is not listening to God. And he goes and he tells when Ahab asked him to come and fight with him, he says, your men are my men, and my men are your men. And he doesn't make a separation between the flesh and the spirit. He doesn't make a separation from the disobedient and the obedient. He doesn't make this separation from uh, 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 fearing God. And they go out, and at random, Ahab puts on a disguise, and at random, because the, the prophet, uh, uh, what's his name, Micaiah, had just told Ahab he was going to die. He said, if you ever, if you come back, you, you, I, God's never spoke through me before. 
and he dies in battle, and it freaks Jehoshaphat out, which Jehoshaphat had did some really good um, things, reforms in the, in the kingdom of Judah. He was really a really good king, but he blew it because he allowed his son to marry Ahab's daughter and brought all his idolatry into from, Je from Jezebel and all of them, brought it all into the, and it becomes the demise of, of the tribe of Judah. And, and then he tried to bring peace, joins in battle, and again, Ahab gets killed. Joseph, that's scared about half to death. If you read chapter 19, uh, he gets rebuked in 19. Let's see, 1 and 2. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him. Listen, Jehu's going to give him a word. And said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. Listen to me. Listen, when you come to salvation, you're supposed to be preparing your heart to seek God, to listen to truth, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so if you read the rest of it, four to the ending, you would see that uh, verse seven is, now therefore let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. And then in 9b, it says, Thus you shall act in fear of the Lord faithfully and with a loyal heart. Listen, we don't want to marry to the world. We don't want to be halfway in the church or halfway in Christ and halfway in the world. We want to be walking in the spirit and not, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And so when the battle comes next, he learns this lesson. Listen to me. Jehoshaphat, which means... Listen, Jehoshaphat means uh, who Jehovah judges. Jehovah has judged. Look at verse or chapter 20. It happened after that. So after this, he's been rebuked. He knows Jehu's rebuked him. He knows he should never have went out with Ahab. Ahab dies. And it says, after that, the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and others, if you just take others, Right there, see it says others. We're actually told in verse 10 that it's Mount Seir. Mount Seir. We'll cover that in a minute. So it's Moab, the people of Ammon, and Mount Seir with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Came to battle, listen, against him whom Jehovah has judged. Right? See, Christ has already taken our judgment for the flesh, for the world, and for Satan. It's all defeated. So here's three enemies coming against the one that's already judged. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, or Edom, some texts say, and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. Now listen, notice who this is that the enemy is. Moab and Ammon is the is the the children that were born to Lot in an incestuous relationship, right? They're always the enemies of of Israel, and they weren't allowed to come into the sanctuary. Or of course, until Christ, uh, we see a Moabite was Ruth, and she comes in to the sanctuary through Naomi, and then Mount Seir is Edom, which is Esau, Jacob's brother. 
the one who loses his birthright. So these are the three enemies. They're, they're types of the flesh that come against the one that God has already judged for. Well, again, the flesh, the world, and Satan. And one can make a case that these three enemies are those three uh, in the Old Testament. I'm not trying to make that case. I just want you to see how they dealt with it and what did Jehoshaphat do now that he's learned to fear the Lord and to set his heart towards seeking God. It says in verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared, why he feared the enemy because the enemy could kill him if he, and he doesn't know how to do it. So he's got to go weak, right? He's got to say, wait a minute, I can't do this and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Ju Judah. Listen, he didn't just seek the Lord. He said, all of us are fasting, every man, woman, and child, because three enemies are coming, and they're going to defeat us if we try to fight them in our own strength, because we, I just watched Ahab die out there thinking he was strong, and I want to be right with God, and I want to fear God, not the enemy, but since I'm fearing the enemy, I, I need to be strong in the Lord, and I'm going to get on my face before God. And I'm going to trust God that he can take care of this. And so we fast. And some things don't come out, but through prayer and fasting. Listen, prayer and fasting. Here's the fast, right? What's the next verse? So Judah gathered together, verse 4, to ask help from the Lord. Prayer. So you got fasting first. He called it fasting. And now they're going to ask the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. This is prayer. So you got prayer and fasting. Jesus said some of these things only come out through prayer and fasting. And so you give up. Listen, you're not trying to twist God's arm. Look, Lord, I quit eating cheeseburgers so that you would work in my life. No, you're telling God that, that your spiritual life is more important than your physical appetite. And you can fast a lot of things, but mainly it's fasting food. And be careful fasting if you don't, if you're unhealthy or something. You might want to see your doctor, but literally you can trust the great physician to fast. But when I fast, I, I usually still take water or I'll do some type of a juice fast, something of that nature. But there are times when I just fast and I don't eat at all. I know that one time uh, the guys at Lafayette, we all used to we'd go away every year and we went down to Raccoon Lake and we fasted for three days. Uh, I think we drank water, but three days. And, and when we broke the fast, we took communion. And we had these 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 uh, 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 crackers. It was insane just to taste them after not tasting anything for three days. It was like, wow. It was just like your taste buds just kind of exploded. It was just different. Some people fast for 40 days. Moses did it for 80, you know, um, because people broke the law and he had to go back up and get some more tablets. So he didn't get to eat. I wonder if he grabbed a few grapes or something while he was down there yelling at them. Been hungry, I ain't eating 40 days. I'll get a couple of these bites here before I go back up. No, I'm just teasing. Um, but they're going to pray now. Look, and here in verse 5, what happens? He's already called a fast. Uh, these three enemies are coming at him. And Jehoshaphat, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, because it had been remodeled by uh, uh, somebody. Uh, I can't remember what that actually is referring to, but it's a new court, and said, verse 6, look, he prayed, O Lord God of our fathers, this is our calling. Listen, guys, my house should be a house of prayer. There's the enemy. The, the world 
Satan and your flesh, and your flesh is the one that follows them and listens to their lies and falls for their temptations, and the, the thing that man can do, six, O Lord God of our fathers, watch what he does. This is adoration and testimony and confession, uh, you, uh, uh, confessing who God is. Are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms and nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? Notice, that, that's all six. That's him confessing who God is, sovereign over everything. Oh, man, I can't believe that. My dog died. God's sovereign over that. Oh, man, I can't believe that. My blood pressure is all crazy and jacked up. God's sovereign over that. Listen, what's going on, Lord? I need your help. I do not know how to fix this or deal with this. I need your wisdom. I trust you. You don't just run to man. We don't just run. You can't defeat the enemy by running to the gas can to pour more gas on your fire. And when you run to man for help, that's what you're going to get. But when you run to God for help, you're going to get the spirit and his power and his might. And you can be strong in the Lord. That's six. Seven, are you, now he goes on with this adoration. He goes on with this confessing. He goes on with this testimony of who he is. Are you not our God? See that relationship? See that? Listen, he learned something through this battle where Ahab died. The northern kingdom, the most evil king that they had almost. Manasseh uh, was, and then he repented. Who drove out, this is testimony. Who's, he's seen the victories, who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. See, this seven, this is, this is where uh, the completion starts at. Number seven, what happened? First, God had to defeat the enemy. So he's killed the flesh. He's killed the world. He's defeated everything, that all the works of darkness and, and the works of the enemy. So you have to give him that testimony. I know you've already defeated my flesh. I know you've already died for all my sin. I know you've already uh, overcome the world, and I can become an overcomer. I know that you defeated all the works of the devil. That's why you came and died. His power was in death, and nobody has that over them anymore that doesn't uh, want to have it over them by just believing our identity because we know that God has taken our death for us. Eight, new beginning. And they dwell in it, the sanctuary. Wait a minute, did I leave something out? Yeah. Uh, seven. Read seven again. Are you not our God? Relationship. Who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel. He fought the battle for them. And gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. This is the, 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 the free gift. It was given to Abraham, father of many nations, your friend forever. Not just for a while, forever. And they dwell in it. I, that's what confused me. Uh, who dwells in it? His people does. They dwell in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for what? Fun? For your name, your character, your nature, your authority, your will. Saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before the temple and in your presence 
For your name is in this temple. Is God's name in your temple? Do you not know that you're the spirit of, that you're the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? Is his name in you? His character, his nature, his will, his authority? These are serious things. And notice, we're going to see in a minute, that they, they, if we will stand, and they stood down in uh, verse 13. And the very place that we have in chapter 6 as we go through warfare is to stand. Histomai. It means to abide, continue, and remain. Where? In his strength, in his might, in his power, in his hand. Stay with him. Uh, so it's his name in the temple. And cry out to you in our affliction. Where have you been crying out to? Listen, always prayer. Cry out when the affliction comes, when the fire comes. He already knew it. He's already there. He'll make a way of escape. He'll help you in the battle. And you will hear and save. Isn't that cool that God will hear and save? He hears us. He'll save us. Verse 10. And now here are the people. Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Uh, I, I never told you earlier, Moab means of his father, ancestral relationship. Ammon means inbred or tribal so we know they were both incest inbred uh, and Mount Seir is this uh, Mount of course is a mountain or a range of hills and then Seir is rough or hairy and, and why is it hairy because Edom Esau means hairy so that's what it's from it's it's the whole area that they got as an inheritance was in Mount Seir these are the enemies these are the ones that despise the birthright. These are the ones that, that Lot wouldn't obey God. And even though he went out, then he was up and they deceived because he had trained his children to live in the world. And then his children got him drunk and slept with him. Uh, oh, oh, what happened there? Uh, and so listen, he's righteous Lot. The New Testament calls him righteous Lot. So be careful. Verse 11, here they are rewarding us. No good deed goes unpunished. God didn't allow them to mess with them when they came in. And now they're rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Listen, that's what the enemy wants. That's what the flesh will do. That's what the world will do. That's what Satan will do. Will steal your inheritance. Listen, God gave us a new life, an inheritance. We, we join heirs with Christ. And when we believe the lie, we give our inheritance away. We need to know our, our, our place. We need to know our position. We need to know our identity. We need to understand the inheritance of what we've received as the people of God when we set our eyes to cry out to God and, and, and we become children of God. The enemy wants to take our inheritance. And uh, 12... Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power, listen, against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
This is what you see them doing. Jehoshaphat leading it is they're saying, we got no power. We're in weakness here. And the only way we're going to be saved, Lord, is if you do it. Your enemy is coming against you, Lord, to steal our inheritance. And if we hide ourselves in his wings, he takes care of us. If we humble ourselves in his sight, he lifts us up. He's going to give us the victory. So what happens? God answers instantly. Oh, wait a minute. Verse 13. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, their children stood before the Lord. This is what we're supposed to do is stand in the victory of Christ. That's what we're going to see as we go to Ephesians 6, uh, 10 and following. Here's God answers instantly when he prays, when he turns his eyes, when they cry out. They're all in unity together, standing. They're in the same spirit, listening and obeying the authority of Jehoshaphat, who declared a fast and began to pray. And what happens? Then the spirit of the Lord came. See what God did? He came. It came upon who? Jehaziel. Jehaziel, listen to this. Jehaziel means uh, who looks to God. Or behold of God. But it means he who looks to God. So we know what Jehaziel's been doing. He's a prophet. Oh, what else does it tell us? Let's see. God comes. The Spirit comes. Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Look who's there. That's why I, I, we see it. The, the Spirit wants to come upon us and use us in the same way. To speak truth to people who are crying out to God. And this is what happens. Jehaziel, he's the son of Zechariah. Anybody know? God remembers. That's what his name means. God remembers. Oh, we got some more. Some more of the ancestry. The son of Benaniah, whom Jehovah has built. God remembers whom, Je whom he has built. See, when he's building you strong, he remembers you. When you're crying out to him, he remembers you. But if you build it yourself, it's going to crumble. It's built on sand. It won't stand when the enemy comes, when the storm comes, when the wind comes. But when you're built upon that rock and God has built you. Oh, Benaniah, the son of Giel. Giel means carried away of God. Carried away of God. And then Mattaniah, we're going to see Matthias, we're going to see it's a derivative of it. This is like Matthew. It means gift of God. Gift of Jehovah. That's what Matthew means. That's what uh, Mattaniah means too. Gift of Jehovah. See, we're not done. A Levite. Guess what a Levite means? Huh? Join. Crown. What do you got? Joy? Join. Join. Well, it might. It means adhesion, so join works. It, that's one of the things it means. Adhesion and join. Garland. But crown is the one I wanted to look at because it's a crown. Oh, join two. You're right. I got it written right there. Join two. Michael's like, what did I get that at? No, join two is it. But crown. And then Asaph, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. 
right? Which means a collector or a gatherer. What? What's he gathering? Crowns? What's he joined to? Crowns? I just I had it underlined too, Michael. That's the chief one I wanted to mention was joined to, and you said joined. But I didn't like adhesion or garland. I like crowned or joined to. He's given us a crown. He's made us royalty with him. Huh? What was they? Collector. Gatherer. Gatherer. It's amazing stuff. Where am I at? So what happened? The spirit came. Here's the prophet. He's going to bring the word of God because they just prayed. And it's son of Asa in the midst of the assembly. They're right there in the assembly. Remember? 15. And he said, listen. Like Jesus says, listen, listen. <clears throat> verily, verily, I tell you the truth. All you of Judah, which means he shall be praised or praised, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, teaching peace, and you King Jehoshaphat, what did that mean? Whom Jehovah judges. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Isn't that what Jesus always says? Do not be afraid. Nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. Notice how he gives them all the details. Somebody's telling our plans to the enemy. Who is it in our house? Remember that when, uh, who was it, Tilgath Pizzar or something? And It's amazing. It's like, how do they know where we're at? How do they know we're going to fight at? The Lord tells us everything going on on the planet. The Lord will share with us everything going on in the battle. He'll tell us where they're going to come from, who they are. If we will listen to the Spirit and bow low before Him. So he tells them, they surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. I don't have them. Oh, Jeruel means taught by God. I do have it. Sorry. You will find them in the wilderness of Jeruel. Do you want to be taught by God? <laughs> Sorry, I'll start laughing here. Um, and the ascent of Ziz means flower or bloom. Right? 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Are you guys awake to this? The battle is the Lord's. It's already won. The flesh is defeated. The world is defeated. The enemy is defeated. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem... Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Listen, position yourself. Know your position. Know your identity. Know what's going on. Positionally, it's all finished. Now listen, practically, right? The penalty's gone. Practically, we have to practice doing righteousness. He's removing the practice of sin from us and disobedience. He's removing the pleasure of it. One day he's going to remove us from the presence of the enemy. But right now, we know the enemy still is here, but he has no power over us. None. 
He's been completely defeated. You don't have to be afraid. You need to obey. And be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So 18, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now listen, three times there the same word was used. Both of the bowed are worship too. Three times that's worship right there. It means to bend the body. That's what bow means. <laughs> Worshiping, though, means to depress. That means to prostrate yourself. And, I, and, I, and I, I love it. It's one of my favorite scriptures. The first one I ever spoke out loud to my elders. Uh, we were talking about something. I said, well, the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 25, uh, uh, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word will make it glad. And that word depressed is the word to bow down or to worship. So if you're worrying, you're bowing down to your worries. Anxiety, you're bowing down to them. But if you take it and give it to God and cry out to the Lord, now you're worshiping Him in spirit and truth. You're bowing down before the Lord and saying, this enemy is against me, and I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to give it to you, Lord, because the battle's not mine. It is yours. Or you can continue to fight yourself, do it in your own strength, and in the flesh you'll die. But if you, by the Spirit, allow your body to be destroyed, sanctified and cleansed, renewed, you will live. So they bowed and they're worshiping. Now this word, I'm going to go ahead and do it. We we're running over a little bit. I'm almost done. Um, no, I'm not going to do it. We'll just keep moving. Then, verse 19, the Levites, those with crowns, of the children of the Kohathites, uh, the assembly, and the children of the Korathites, that's one of the Korahs, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. This is they stood up to praise God. Right? To be, listen, praise is to be boastful about who God is. Praising Him. When I told you earlier, the Acts method. Adoration. You're singing to Him about who He is, His characteristics, about Him, looking up to Him. And that's what praise is about. Not worship. Worship is bowing down. Proskuneo in the Greek. Uh, and here it means to, 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 to prostrate yourself before the Lord. But worship is obeying the Lord. Worship is obeying the Lord. And when we're strong in the Lord and the power of His might, we're obeying Him. And, and that's pure worship to say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to trust you. I am in want of strength from you. I want to. I know that you've called me. I know that you've given me a crown. I know that you've called me in this position, in this place for this time, but there's no way I can do your work for you. Can you fill me with your spirit and use me? I need your strength or I can't do this. And we admit that we're weak. We admit that we can't do it. And then he takes care of it. As long as we're looking to him. 
but praise, we've done this. I mean, I've watched it happen. Uh, it used to be called praise. And then in the churches, they began to call it praise and worship. And now we're just calling it worship. And that's the music that we do. But true worship is obeying God. Praise, you, you're, you're singing to him and adoring him and talking to him. And it opens your heart to receive the truth that you need to obey. So it plants seeds of truth in your heart. But if you go out the door and think you just worship God and you don't obey the truth you just learned that you were equipped with, you're not worshiping God. You're playing church. Praise opens our heart. It plows the ground and prepares us to go out and obey God, which is true worship when we obey him. I mean, the first time it's translated worship, it's the same word is used in 18.2 of Genesis when three men stood before Abraham's tent and he went and bowed before them. I believe those three men was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can't prove it. Ain't going to argue it. And then in 19.1 when two of those men went down and seen Lot at the gate he bowed down to those two men while Abraham was still up here talking to the Father asking him if there's ten Will you not destroy? And he, well, he goes all the way down to 10. And he's, and he's, he's interceding. He's praying for the city because he knows his nephew Lot is there. Well, meanwhile, his nephew Lot is bowing down to the other two. And unless one of them is the Lord and the Holy Spirit, which I believe it was the Lord and the Holy Spirit incarnate, one of them had to be there or they would have said, get up, we're angels. Don't bow down to us. But it wasn't worship. It was just showing them praise. It was showing them honor. Worship is when they obeyed, because the first time it's used is in Genesis 22, when a father takes his son for a three-day journey with all the, the, the resources with him, and the other servants are with him, and he tells the servants, wait here, me and the lad are going to go worship. And here they go up the hill, the father's got the knife, the instrument that's going to kill the son, and the son's got the wood, the cross on his back, and he binds him and lays him on the altar, and he raises the knife to worship God, because he's going to obey God. And in fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says in a figurative sense, Abraham received his son back from the dead, because in his heart he had decided, I'm going to obey God. In my weakness, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and I'm going to obey God. That's true worship. We cannot say, Lord, Lord, if you, if you love me, keep my commandments. We need to be strong in the Lord and his power, and his spirit is always going to obey God. Because his spirit is God. And he already knows the will of God and the heart of God. And everything about what God is doing. Not just in the whole world, but in your life specifically. And in my life specifically. So the spirit's always going to lead us in a path of obedience. And in, in a path of, of mortifying or putting to death the deeds of the flesh. And in trusting God. But look what happens here in this praise. Verse 20, 2020. 2020. Perfect eyesight. So they rose early in the morning. Listen, that's a good time to raise early in the morning. Now, your morning could be uh, later in the day if you work a different shift. But your first fruits should always go to God. And went into the wilderness of Tekeo. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, 
Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe, trust the Lord, trust in the Lord your God. <clears throat> Listen to what he's given his counsel. Trust in the Lord your God, believe him, and you shall be established, made firm and strong, tempered. Believe his prophets. Prophets brought the word of God. And you shall prosper. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. For then you shall, and observe to do according to all that is written in it, obedience. Then you shall be prosperous, and then you shall be of good success. Notice what they're going to do. They're just going to obey God. 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should, listen, sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness or his attire. And they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Listen to me. Listen to me. He did not assign those that should go out with sword and javelin, with gun. Uh, with, with with the voting booths. You put it, you fill in the blank wherever you want to fill it in. He did not assign anybody to do anything except to sing and to give praise. And the army's in the back. Can you can you imagine the choir going, whoa, dude, you got the army behind us? Why is the choir leading the way here? Shouldn't we send the army out to kill them and we'll sing about what the army did? Martyrs. <laughs> Martyrs. <laughs> They're out in front. Those that are praising and adoring God are leading and the army's behind because the army's not needed. Think about it. We come back with the Lord. Jude says we come back with the Lord on white horses and we're not there to fight. We're there to see him finish the obedience and destroy all the enemies of the cross. He finishes the entire thing. He did it in the spiritual realm and he comes back and finishes it in the physical he came in the physical to do the spiritual, and now he's going to come back in the spiritual and kill the physical. Oh, my goodness, that blows my brain. So here they are. They're appointed to sing. What are you appointed to do? What are you ordained to do? They're going to sing the praises of God. Uh, and then they should praise the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Shout for joy. Now listen, verse 22. One of my favorite numbers. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. The Lord defeats the flesh, the world, and Satan. All we're called to do is shout for joy. Jericho, remember they shouted? All we're supposed to do is sing his praise and tell people the good news that there's peace with God through Jesus Christ. We're not here for hand-to-hand -hand combat. We're not here for physical fisticuffs. We're here to praise and worship the, the beauty of what he has done to save his people. He set the ambushes. 
He's put strong delusion. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Talk about strong delusion. The, the enemy's house is always divided. He will always kill himself. So when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were the dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. Listen to me. Listen to me. They showed up finally with the choir out front, and it was already over. Listen, Jesus defeated the flesh, the world, and Satan 2,000 years ago. I showed up in 1997, and the battle was already over. It was already finished. All I have to do is believe it and stand and trust God and, and then die to self so that I can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Or I end up in religion and let my flesh or the world or somebody deceive me by listening to a lie, practicing a lie, and building on sand. But we show up and he's already defeated. It's finished on the cross. When Jehoshaphat and his people came, whom God has judged, when, when whom God has judged and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables and dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away and were three days gathering up the spoil because there was so much inheritance, guys. Listen, we need to learn what our inheritance is. The battle's already over. Walk in the newness of life. Trust in the Lord who has already defeated, but quit listening to the lies of the wicked one, the lies of our flesh. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord, Therefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Barakah until this day. It means blessing. That's what we got, right? Blessing? Blessed is who? I mean, everybody wants to be happy, but this is a blessing. The Lord defeated all the enemy, the three enemies for us. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat. So those, uh, uh, he shall be praised and teaching peace and whom God is judged in front of them to go back to uh, Jerusalem, go back to teaching peace with joy. Listen, there's joy in the Lord. We can rejoice that the battle has been won. The victory is over. We're standing in the gap. For the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. Peace and rest and quiet. But listen, it's, when we begin to listen to God and we begin to be strong in the power of his might, then fear comes upon those around us. And, and, and they, they see the work of, of God. They see that he is with us. We're going to see this in Acts chapter 4. Or is it three? Yeah, three and four. And, and when they began to do what God called them to do and to obey, that fear came upon all the people, and the Lord added to the numbers daily 
those who was being saved. Listen, um, 27, I meant to point out, then they returned every man. Is none lost. None of them were lost. Because they didn't have to fight. They just showed up and praised the Lord with joy in their heart. But the obedience was in them listening. They cried out. God said, you don't have to fight. All you have to do is stand. So they stood in the victory of Christ and God defeated the three enemies. And he will in our lives also. He will defeat those three enemies, the flesh, the world, and Satan, if you allow him to. And you are crucified with Christ. And you don't continue to try to wrestle with him and fight. But you learn uh, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Uh, henceforth, from now on. In order to live a godly life. Now next week, he tells us in 6.11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because... The devil fights with lies, and when you're putting on truth, you can stand right up to that lie. No shame, no guilt. You just stand right up to it, because truth can always stand by itself. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, for your armor. Thank you for truth, your son Jesus. Thank you for defeating the three enemies that stand against us, Satan, the world, and our flesh. But Lord, we know that it's our flesh that's the biggest enemy now that you've told us about truth and we believe in you. We know that it's our flesh that listens to the world. It's our flesh that pursues the things of the world. It's our flesh that, that gets drunk with the things of the world. And we know that the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. But Lord, we have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. And so we want to stand in your presence, stand in your victory, and be led by your spirit into all truth. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Defeat uh, our bodies, Lord, that we would not reject your word, but we would learn to obey you and walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Lord bless you.